my grandmother was right. The boogeyman was real. It's over. We can't hurt anyone ever again. No one told you. Told me what? Somebody in there? Michael Myers is alive. Stop! You had a knife in your stomach. You and Allison should not have to keep running. Evil dies tonight. I'm not just going to sit and watch another innocent person die. If you track Michael's victims, that's a straight line to Michael's childhood home. What do we do? We fight. Let's hunt him down. Michael Myers is flesh and blood. But a man couldn't have survived that fire. The more he kills, the more he transcends. Run! Go home now! He's the essence of evil. And I'm Dan Chase. And with us, we have somebody that I've been dying to podcast with forever. Yes. <laughs> Craig Edwards. What's up, Craig? Hi, guys. It is good to see you. Hang on. I, there's somebody creeping up to the house next door. Oh. Lonnie, get your ass away from there. <laughs> All right. There we go. All right. That's better. I, I think it's safe to say he's a fan of the franchise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Now, Craig, you are a first-time guest on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, man. It's been I'm a while. honor to be here, guys. <laughs> well, we've been trying to uh, get something together with uh, you actually were um, involved with Dawson's Creek, which is one of our favorite shows of all time. Amongst other things that he's been involved in. <laughs> right. <yes. laughs> How did you get involved with Dawson's Creek? I gotta know. Um, I, it lucked out because in the business, you know, they tell you they say it's who you know, and that's truly the case. Um I worked a lot for a uh, lady named Stefania Girolami Goodwin. She is the daughter of um, Enzo Castellari, the director of the original Inglorious Bastards, among many, many oh, other wow. What? And she was working here uh, in Wilmington, North Carolina. And I met her on Super Mario Brothers. And I just, uh, I guess I impressed her with my love of movies and my verve to be on a set and work hard. And so we worked on a series of things and she got hired on Dawson's Creek. Um, I think she did the presentation pilot, in fact, but I was busy on the movie Virus at the time, so I couldn't do it. And then when they went to series, uh, she got hired on, you know, as the regular uh, assistant director. And at that point, then, thankfully, I had a job as well. Wait, wow. so you worked on Super Mario Brothers, <laughs> the movie as well? Yeah, that was... One of the first things I did uh, in the business, yeah. Goomba, that movie <laughs> is, I did not know that. And that's, that's like, you're such an interesting person, Craig, because 
we met in the Dawson's Creek group and I'm like, oh, this guy's awesome. And you're, you're posting all these cool pictures. Like and- behind the scenes stuff that, you know, fans actually are very curious about, you know, you post scripts. Yeah. And then, but then the coolest thing though, is over in a horror group, I see Craig pop up too. I'm like, oh, he's one of us. He is one of us, yes. <laughs> yeah, that excited me. <laughs> now, are you a big fan of uh, Kevin Williamson? I am. I mean, I, I went nuts for Scream the minute it came out uh, in late 96, I think it was. Yeah. Uh, and again, I was on Virus, so I didn't get a chance to work on I Know What You Did Last Summer, which also filmed in this area. Uh, and they kind of finished that up and then went into the, the very short shoot for the presentation pilot of Dawson's. And he hung around for all of that. But um, can, can I go off on a weird tangent right no, now? Anything you want. Mean? Yep. So they're doing I Know What You Did Last Summer at the same time that Virus is shooting. That puts Kevin Williamson and Jimmy Lee Curtis in the same city here in Wilmington, North Carolina. Right. And he um, arranges to meet her. And they meet somewhere in town and they have such they hit it off so big that from that simple meeting just the the juxtaposition of those two people just happen to be in this town at the same time yeah he gets the chance to rewrite halloween h2o he doesn't un un, it's not even credited he's listed as like an associate producer but the Mm -hmm. sag rules wouldn't let or at the uh wga rules excuse me wouldn't let him uh be credited for the polish that he did on the script but he did have a hand in the writing of it And then from that, Jamie saw, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis ran into Steve Miner, who was directing the Dawson's presentation pilot. Mm -hmm. They had worked together on Forever Young, kind of rekindled their friendship. From that, she puts the word in and gets him the job of directing Halloween H2O. He's been working with Michelle Williams on the presentation pilot and likes her so much, he gets her hired or or hires her for Halloween H2O. So almost the entirety of Halloween H2O came about because of people running into each other in Wilmington, North Carolina. In Wilmington, that is why you just like, yeah, that was everybody pretty much. (laughs) Well, and you were working on the show at the time that H2O came out, right? I was because we started... uh, it came out that summer, I mean, that, that fall, like October-ish, I'm sure. Uh, and we had started, we were at work on, no, wait a minute. When did they shoot h August. It came out in August, I believe. Yeah. Um, of 98. 98. Yep. yep. So, okay. So they did it after we had finished the first season. We finished in December of 97. The episode started airing in January. And um, they had taken... Michelle out to she went out to LA and shot in the interim between seasons one and two she shot Halloween H2O so yes we were shooting season two when it came out and now Craig they shoot a lot of stuff in Wilmington what a beautiful place that is Um, I'm from Cape Cod Massachusetts so obviously what they were trying to do you know for Cape Cod and that it's it's very similar the is Cape. what I'm saying yeah it's such a beautiful place uh what's what's it been like growing up there and having all these uh awesome movies filmed there yeah and to be a part well, of it, it's I mean it's amazing I actually I'm not from here I'm from the Midwest I'm from Illinois I'm actually oh. from could I say next door to Haddonfield? Perhaps? Oh, oh. I'm from Iowa. That's where we live now. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yes. <laughs> well, I have some theories about where Haddonfield's at, by the way, which we'll talk about later when we get into the movie. Okay. But, okay. Um, 
but I'm from there. I moved down here in 92, uh, specifically to work in the film industry and got in as an extra on a movie called Amos and Andrew that nobody remembers with um, Samuel L. Jackson and Nicolas Cage. Oh. And then went from that on to Super Mario Brothers and then from there, just every which way. So, Well, you were involved in uh, Empire Records, right? I was, yeah. That was another uh, Stefania <laughs> getting hired as one of the assistant directors and she got me on. Um, she believed that I ran first team better than pretty much anybody she'd ever worked with. Wow. Running first team means coordinating the actors through makeup, hair, and wardrobe. And yep. so she would hire me to do that job on every chance she got, basically. I love it. Yeah, and and I mean, obviously, um, we're we're gonna do another podcast or two down the line, uh, and we can get into all these specifics. But what is it like? Uh, we'll, we'll take Dawson's Creek just for instance, obviously here. Um, what was what was it like on a day to day basis? What did your job entail? Uh, what kind of stuff did did you do? Well, the, just the basics of the job was I'm one of the first people to arrive um, to base camp, which is where the makeup, hair, wardrobe trailers all are and the actor trailers. And I greet the actors as they arrive. I tell them where they need to go. Um, sometimes they're brought in specifically to go into either hair or makeup and get at least part of that out of the way before a rehearsal. Sometimes they're brought in due to the fact the day is going to run long. It, it, all the scheduling is very intricate. Um, they may be brought in right before that first rehearsal. So they get out of the van first thing in the morning. I greet them. Um, you've got time for breakfast. You go to the hair chair. You go to the makeup chair. You go to rehearsal, you know, whatever it is. And and then it's just a matter of coordinating. That's why I use the word coordinating is because you've got to keep everybody boiling on something so that you're proceeding forward and you don't want anybody just sitting in their trailer when there's a hair chair open, for example. You've, right. You've got to kind of keep an eye on everybody and make sure Nobody, you know, when hair pokes their head out and says, hey, where's Josh? You know, you make sure you go find Josh and get him, in, you know, to the hair trailer or whatever. But you just proceed through that whole thing. And then once everybody's ready, which you hope you've outrun the lighting on the set so that yeah. you've got everybody ready to go when they call for them, we're ready for first team. I can send them right in. Or sometimes I have to report, well, uh, Michelle's still in the makeup chair. It's going to be another 10 minutes. Oh. And then, then it's, you know, me sweating for the next 10 minutes trying to get her to set. So <laughs> I have so many questions about this. I know we can't get into it because we're doing a Halloween podcast, but oh man, what, an, so cool. what an interesting life. But here's one thing, as soon as we started uh, talking to Craig, that was confirmed uh, that uh, of my initial impression of you, I was like, what a great dude. And that just shows you how far, you know, um, uh, being such a good person and being such a good, you know, hard worker, basically, at the end of the day, those two things coming together. I feel like you, sir, like epitomize both things. Like you're just nothing but kind and gracious and funny as well, informative, <laughs> all these things. And then, and then, you know, I can tell you're one of those hardworking guys that can back it up as well. Would you attribute uh, one thing over another to maybe part of your success in the industry? Um, I, trying to be personable and get the job done. You know, that was what I always strive for uh, on a set or anywhere else. You know, you, you make, you want to make a good impression. I, I figured out that the correctness of the thing it's who you know um, really quickly because i saw how people were getting hired because they had already worked on something and if you worked on show a and then show b shows up 
generally everybody from A might go right to B if they didn't overlap and things. Right. And so it really became very important to to kind of hit your little red wagon to the to the right people. And and it was literally, like I said, um, I went from having to put in resumes in the early 90s to by by the time of Dawson's Creek, I was getting just calls. I mean, literally oh. a phone would ring and somebody would just say, hey, such and such a show is coming in. Um, can you run first team for me starting, you know, March 5th or whatever it was. And so, you know, that change in those few years uh, made me very proud that I was able to to achieve that. And I almost didn't want to have to move upstairs because uh, I really enjoyed the job and I wouldn't have minded staying in it. But as with everything, you have to um, proceed forward. And the next step up would have been um, second, second assist, assistant director. And they, they and the second assistant directors have, they interchange a lot of jobs depending on the show. But usually the second, second is setting background on the set while the second is prepping on a series for the next episode or even just getting the call sheet together for the next day. And then the first is marshalling everything. The first assistant director is marshalling everything from the set, standing at the director's side. And, um, and so the job changes each time. It's not as if right. you're just taking on a little more, you move up to assistant director, you're still running first team and you're going to set some background. You literally just completely change jobs and you start doing this other thing. And I wasn't, I, I like doing everything on set. I have set background. I have scheduled things. I've, I've run things as a first aid, as you know, first AD on uh, smaller productions. Um, but the, of all of those things, if you gave me my brothers, uh, um, I liked running first team. That was my favorite. That's awesome, man. That sounds so interesting too. And obviously, I mean, you can handle yourself under pressure too. That, yeah. That's what that shows. What was the last film or TV show that you worked on? Um, Oh, golly. Well, I did a horror short that is hopefully coming out this month, but I'm beginning to think it's not going to. Uh, it's called Mercy. Uh, it's about a 30 minute um, kind of spooky conjuring demon possession-esque thing um, that was shot over the last, with, with the pandemic, it took, we shot in very fits and spurts. Um, right probably took us eight or nine months when it would have more cohesively been a, just a few weeks. Right. Um, but prior to that, um, my last real credit was uh, a touch of fate, I think is what it ended up being called. We shot it as the Chester story and it is a very small independent movie with Terry Hatcher. Mm. Uh, just a real sweet little middle-aged romance thing where she finds love back in her hometown kind of thing was it hallmark no that one was it was just an independent it, it felt very much like a hallmark <laughs> I I worked on hallmark shows yeah uh, I did what the deaf man heard and uh oh i had a hand in a james woods one but i'm not gonna remember the name i only did a few <laughs> days on it with Elizabeth uh, uh, but um but the tw touch of fate um it had Colin Wilcox Paxton, who was the um, the girl who accuses Boo Radley in uh, the original To Kill a Mockingbird. Oh, oh yeah. It had cool. some really interesting people in it, but they're not hugely famous. Terry Hatcher wow. was the biggest name involved, but there were other actors like Colin Wilcox Paxton who were just, you know, what a, what an opportunity to get to work with her and talk with her about To Kill a Mockingbird. You know? Right? Oh, that's amazing. Wow. That's crazy. I love that. Yeah. I, I got to ask you, Craig, uh, because uh, 
it's going back to Kevin Williamson, at least in, you know, the first three seasons of Dawson's Creek and uh, like the show means so much to me. So I got to ask you, um, was it, and you were a part of it uh, during the horror themed episodes. So oh. um, there is yep. the, is, uh. is, it, is it called the scare? It is now. I think we had we had different titles for almost every episode when we shot them. And for some reason, they've all been boiled down to like single word titles as much as possible or the something like two word titles. I don't know why any of that happened, but I, we shot it and it was called Friday the 13th at one point because uh, were, we were doing titles that were based on other titles as a kind of an end joke. Yeah. Uh, and, and that fell through, although I don't know why. I know, I like that better. Well, and then <laughs> the other episode was Escape from Witch Island, I think is the name. Yeah, that was, I think, third season, I believe. Yes. Classic um, episode. Which is kind of like in the realm of the Blair Witch. Which one did you like? I think those were the only two horror-esque episodes, right? There was one after I left, because I left oh, after the, at the end stories. of season four. Yeah, there was one in five or six that I, I've never even seen it, but... Um, <laughs> Of the two, the scare was fun because it was directed by Rodman Flender, who had directed things for Roger Corman. So again, the film buff in me, I'm standing next to Rodman Flender for seven shooting days. And every moment that he's not actively working, I'm, what was it like working for Roger Corman? How was it working on this movie? When you, when you directed that, did he give you a big, you know, blah, 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 blah. So that was fun. I don't know if he thought it was fun, but I thought it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then Witch Island was, I believe, directed by James Whitmore Jr., who is the son of the great character actor who uh, from Shawshank Redemption, among a hundred other movies, mm. uh, the great James Whitmore. But James Whitmore Jr. was one of our, he came back a lot on Dawson's and he was wonderful. What a terrific guy to be oh. around. But he wasn't Rodman Flender at the same time. So I was getting a little more, uh, you know, scratching the itch of the movie buff talking to Rodman Flender. Uh, Mr. Uh, Whitmore and I had 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 several conversations and certainly talked about many things because he was in some Chuck Norris movies as an actor himself and things like that. So uh, both were fun to work on. The Witch Island was shot mostly at Orton Plantation, which was uh, a great it's a long drive, but it's worth it because it's such a creepy place and perfect atmosphere. We did the uh, the scare more in town, more around the studio. Uh, a lot of it takes place with them kind of trapped in Dawson's house. Yeah. So, yeah, those are classic episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did the cast have fun on those? Well, the shooting of scary stuff is never, you know, it's it's not scary to shoot it. So, you, but they seem to enjoy the fact that we were winking at the audience when the big boss is the guy that wrote Scream, and I know what you did last summer, right. and now we're doing a horror episode. Right. And there was talk of bringing Roger Jackson in to do. The voice of, on the phone. Um, oh wow! But we didn't. Yeah, for whatever reason, they didn't end up going with that. We did. Uh, one little side note: we did have um, an actual phone hookup, so that wasn't faked. They were oh. actually talking, and they did have. Uh, well, spoiler: uh, Scott Foley <laughs> was actually doing the talking to the other. No. Side. Yes, I love How it. How crazy I is it that uh, he's the that. killer in three? <laughs> there you go. Yes, exactly. Yeah, what a what a great twist there. <laughs> I got okay. I gotta ask because I know Craig is a big Scream fan. Um, what, any theories? Uh, any have you watched the trailer? Yeah, have you watched the trailer? Oh, I have. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I just went out of my mind to see Nev Campbell walking on the Riverwalk, right oh. where so many Dawson's romantic nighttime scenes took place. 
and where the regatta took off from. So again, right. the Dawson's connection. Um, yes. it, the only thing I got to tell you guys, the Halloween Kill shot in Wilmington, where I'm at, Scream 5, which I'm calling a Scream 5, just so we don't get right. the 1996 <laughs> movie, yeah. um, shot here. But they were both during COVID and I couldn't visit the sets, even though I knew people working on them. And it killed me that I could not go to the sets. Ah, damn. I bet, like, I would have, like, lost my shit if Scream was filmed where I'm at. (laughs) There's one thing that I was always curious about, though, because I did see behind-the-set photos of a bunch of cars, supposedly, and that's the the key word here, uh, imported that were all pre-1996, which obviously alludes to a possible flashback. I don't know if that's true or anything, but the one thing about, yeah. So you did see a Woodsboro school bus. I did, yeah. Yeah, it's just so fun to pick apart these movies. I'd be going insane if I lived in the same town. <laughs> oh, you would have probably broken into the set. <laughs> I would have gotten, yeah, taken away a couple times. Yes, you, you would be in jail right now not having this conversation with the awesome Craig Edwards. <laughs> well, then there we go. <laughs> um, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you guys real quick, two quick, uh, where I did invade the set. They shot Piranha 3 Double D here. Yes. And uh, I did invade that set because they were shooting at Jungle Rapids, which is that's where the water park was. And it's a local water park here in town. Yep. And so, you know, you know, it was very easy to get there. Well, as soon as I walked up, I start seeing the Teamsters, who are the, the outermost layer of the film production because they're around the trucks. Right. So I see and I'm instantly I walk up and they go, hey, Craig. And so I'm, I'm in that, that quickly. <laughs> and by the end of that visit, I was talking to John Gulliger, the director on the set five feet from the actual 3d monitor because you could see it in 3d on the set that's what awesome. was coming through the camera so i mean that's when you have some t- some connections in the business a set invasion is very easy and in fact I, my blog went through the roof because i posted well i didn't realize this but i posted the first set Oh, photos from that movie. I didn't have a clue that I was doing anything like that. And my <laughs> my views went from 85 a day to like 10,000 suddenly on that one post. Wow. And oh. there were all the bloody disgustings and all the websites were posting connections to my blog saying first set photos from Piranha 3 Double D released. I had no no clue that I was doing that. I was terrified <laughs> for about a week that <laughs> whoever that I company bet. was was going to come after me, you know? <laughs> I love wow. it. No, you have a lot of fun pictures. Yeah, why do you lead such a boring life, Craig? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah. Well, one of, uh, you mentioned her several times. Um, she was just an extra on the show. Um but she's blown up pretty big. She was the extra twice, I believe, on Dawson's Creek. Uh, I'm pretty sure you can guess who I'm talking about. I can. Actually, I'm not sure that I, I, I'm not. Alyssa McBride. <laughs> oh, well, she was more than extra. She was an actual guest star. She had a speaking role. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, so yeah, yeah. there's a difference when yeah. it's an extra or a guest star, I guess. Yeah, extras are the, the background people who don't talk. They're just filing around the school, for example. Lots of people, you know, around the hallways and stuff, the other students, um, and just any background that's not talking. If they, um, like, let's say that you come in on a scene and Katie is talking to a security guard, but she speaks and says something to that security guard and he nods and walks away. That guy's a featured extra because he's interacting with one of the principals, but he's still not talking. 
And then you have the day players, which are the little one line, he went that away type guys. And they're actually speaking part actors. The money difference is catastrophically huge by between those two, by the way. You really? go from extra. Well, now this is back in the day. I have not been on the set for a while. Back when I was working, an extra generally started out making somewhere around $50 to $75 for the day. Yeah. Featured extras made $75 to $100 a day. And then as soon as you say words, you suddenly jump to something like $900 oh, a day. Oh, wow. So like 10 times. That. Well, I got paid as an extra. Um, they did a thing here in Iowa where uh, they filmed like four films. Like there was a credit and then I don't know what happened, but um, I was an extra in the film, Janie Jones. Okay. <laughs> um, and they paid me $85. <laughs> and, and that was that. What year was that? That was like t- mid to mid-teens 2000s i don't know okay yeah. so it hasn't gone up much in all that time if right you know, yeah five so yeah yeah and i was there for about seven hours so i got paid 85 dollars for seven hours <laughs> which i mean that's well, i was about to say that the where where things work out for extras there are a lot of people in wilmington who do it you know regularly they do it a lot right and and you're paid let's say 50 for eight or 85 for eight and that's what they call it. They call it for eight hours. Yep. But if you show up and it's an exterior softball scene on a, you know, out in the field and the, it pours rain and they can't shoot that. Now they have to go and shoot the library scene. So they gear up, you know, the other thing and move all the trucks and they just, they're, they give up on shooting and they called for a hundred extras. They have to pay them because they showed up. And right. so they get paid the full 50 or 85, even though they technically never worked and they were there for five minutes. Yeah. They get the full eight hours for that. So there's where they make out like bandits. Cause then they've got, they're free to go home. And, you know? Right. It, it's so funny that you said like a softball scene, because that is, <laughs> that is the extent of my extra work. I was in the uh, baseball scene, one of the baseball scenes in that movie stuck by you. <laughs> Oh, wow. Okay. I know. Well, because my buddy Ricky knew the Fairway Brothers, um, all from Cape Cod there. I worked at a golf course. So, you know, that that type of crowd. And yeah, he got me in there. He was like, well, you're supposed to be like 18. But like, I was like 17, just on the verge. So they let it go. And yeah, I was I was in that. That was like the extent of my uh, thing. There was a thing in Super Troopers, too, but they didn't even use us. And then the people that were used for that scene, the scene got cut anyways. So they ended oh. up like, yeah, sending everybody home. So I've tried a couple times. <laughs> I was on a reality show once, though. That was fun. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I got to ask you, Craig, if you could give three horror film recommendations, what three films would you recommend? Oh, Um. Let's see. What have I seen lately that I quite like? Well, <laughs> I'm still I'm still riding high on my love for Happy Death Day, the first one. Oh, love, love it. it. That movie just surprised the hell out of me. I wasn't expecting. It was PG-13, and I just, I didn't know the actress. I knew nothing about it. I went in fairly, I mean, I knew it was going to be Groundhog Day for horror film <laughs> people, whatever. But But I didn't know anything beyond that. And it, I was just absolutely enthralled. I thought that the, and I'm not going to remember her name, but Jessica, I think something, she's just incredible. She carries that movie yeah. right on her shoulders. Yeah. And it was so clever and it had some scares and some good suspense and everything. So absolutely happy death day. 
watch out for that sequel because although I enjoyed it, it is such a different movie. Um, I, I loved I, it. I think people hated on it too much, in my opinion. Jessica Roth is her name. Yeah. Yep. There we go. Thank you. Yes. Uh, absolutely wonderful actress. So that I'm still, even though that was like four years ago, um, I will still recommend that one to anybody who will listen. Yes. Um, if, um, are we talking for the other two, are we talking to kind of stay newer or just uh, whatever you want, anything? like your personal okay. preferences, what you're feeling um, on the day. Yep. So <laughs> I think we'd have to go with, um, Oh, I'm going to recommend one from North Carolina called the mutilator. Yes, fall break exactly. Yeah, um, <laughs> shot two hours from where I'm at up in Atlantic Beach Ooh. by a guy who, like, was a lawyer and just decided he wanted to make a movie. And you watch that movie, and no, the performances are not polished, and there's you know the script is a little by the numbers. Of course it is, because it was made by a bunch of people in Atlantic Beach, North Carolina. You know, and but they, but it's it's not a bad little movie. And some of the cinematography is absolutely gorgeous. There's a swimming pool scene with the, the swimming pools covered, almost like it's tented in for like a bug bombing or something. I don't even really know <laughs> why it is. Yeah. But they go under there and the lighting in that scene, I mean, it's, it's, I'll match it up to anything. Pick, you know, a Dean Cundy thing, you know, something. Yeah. Like there you go. And it's just gorgeous. So I'm going to throw that one out there. Cause again, not that hugely known. A lot of people don't really know that. I and haven't then, seen it. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And then I'm going to go with the original Halloween. Oh. Yes. <laughs> yes. I love it. Great picks. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm a little nervous to ask this one. <laughs> well, we got to do it, though. It's like a rite of passage on the oh, stupid God. podcast that we have. Um, and we kind of try to relate it to the person. And I'm sorry if you find it offensive, Craig, but uh, we do a fuck one, kill one, marry one. <laughs> so, oh, God. Like, I don't even want Baby, to. I, don't I, even I feel like we're being disrespectful with I, this. Same. Um, <laughs> all right. But so, so we're just going to equate it to the characters and not the actual act. Okay. Okay. So uh, Joey Potter, um, Jen, and Andy. The fuck. characters. Fuck one, kill one, marry one, go. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's the characters, though, not the actresses. So hopefully that helps. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going to stick to characters. And, I, and actually, because we're saying the characters is pretty easy and it's mean. So yeah, I'm, I'm about to put myself in trouble here. But um, <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna kill Andy because her brain didn't work right anyway. So <laughs> she's we're we're gonna marry Joey because I mean my God she's the girl next door right and and you know let's face it fucking Jen would be quite the experience. <laughs> well, I mean she did everybody else on the show. So. Hey, I heard exactly. she's from New York and she's fast. Let me get in line. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for being such a good sport about yes. that. I was really nervous to ask that. He didn't even oh, hesitate. Now he really didn't. He didn't. He's been. Th he's probably been thinking about that his whole life, I, I just was, like I, every other guy. I was not expecting him to say Andy's brain didn't work. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing. Thank yes. you so much. Um, and before we get into uh, Halloween Kills, uh, Craig. Um, you said you're from Illinois, so this might have been um, a tradition where you were at growing up. It, it definitely was in Iowa. Probably not. Fuck you. Uh, <laughs> now, when you were a kid trick-or-treating, did you have to tell a joke to get your candy when you would go trick-or-treating? No. No. I'm never <laughs> Why does everybody think I'm not? You're out of your mind. 
I am not. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, you you didn't get the experience what I did. So I'm going to make you tell a joke right now. Make it Halloween. Oh, so sorry. Oh, a Halloween-y joke. Okay. Um, (laughs) If you need to Google one, you can. (laughs) see. Michael Myers, Freddy Krueger, and Jason Voorhees are all escaping from the authorities once again. And they're running away, and they hear the dogs behind them. They're bringing the dogs. And they keep running for a while. And then finally, Michael Myers says, um, hey, I, uh, I can't run anymore. I'm going to climb this tree. <laughs> they go, okay. And they keep running. And uh, here come the dogs. And the dogs surround the tree, and they're rough, 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 rough. And Michael Myers goes, um, whoo, whoo. They go, <laughs> guys go, hey, that's just an owl up there. Come on, let's let's keep chasing. And they take off. So they're still running, running. Pretty soon, Freddy Krueger, you know, he's an older guy. He says, oh, I, I can't run anymore. I'm going to climb this tree, Jason. You go on. So he goes up the tree. And Jason runs off. And here come the dogs. The dogs hit around the tree. Rawr, rawr. And, he, and he goes, chirp, 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 chirp. And they go, oh, it's just a bird. It's just a bird. Let's keep going. So they take off. Jason's running and running, finally can't handle him. I'm going to climb this tree. So he climbs the tree, and here comes the door. Jason thinks long and hard, and he goes, moo. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I think that'll hit me even more so later. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that was amazing. (laughs) I was just picturing Freddie up in a tree. Right. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea why Freddie is climbing trees and not just like, Did you just make that himself up? out into a dream or whatever, but oh well. Did you make that up, Craig? It's it's an actual joke about, you know, the third, of course, the third guy is the stupid guy. Um, but I you said make it Halloween, so I applied it. I brought the serial killers in from the movies. <laughs> hey, not that I could ever top that, but can I tell a joke? Okay. Please. Okay, Tommy Doyle, Lindsay Wallace, and Marion Crane walk into a bar. Oh, no, wait, that's the introduction to some of these characters. <laughs> uh, we are going to get Sorry. into that right now. Um, based off of his recommendations, um, which he said Halloween 1978, I, I think it's safe to assume that he's probably a big fan of this uh series yeah i'm curious craig like as far as the series goes i mean you can break it down from one movie to the next but do you have a preference yeah any any particular timelines that you that prefer you yeah well that's that's an interesting yeah which which timeline do you like best um <laughs> well i'll just i'll just do a quick history so my mom took me to see the first one my brothers had seen it they're older than me by eight and ten years so they you know they were dating and taking girls to it and everything and I was a kid, I had barely hit double digits. And my mom took me because I begged her. And uh, so that was my first experience with that level of R-rated suspense and horror. So, and it scared the stuffing out of me and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And so up to that time, I'd only seen like the universal monsters on the creature feature and things like that. Right. So I loved the movie, absolutely fell, you know, fell head over heels for it. And in fact, it was one of the first three movies I rented on beta uh, when that type of thing. Um, so, you know, to see it again, because back then, you know, you could only see it in the theater. I watched it when it aired on NBC the first time in fall of 81, which you should look up on YouTube, the opening of it, because it's a brilliant uh, opening thing. And it just takes me back. Nice. Waited for two to come out, 
saw two in the theater, got somebody dropped me off at the theater and I got to see two. Um, I had no problem. I don't know why I knew that, I guess from Fangoria, I knew that Michael Myers wasn't involved in three. So I loved three from the get-go when I saw it. I'd say, I've seen every one of them in the theater. I can just stop saying that part. Um, <laughs> I saw four in Florida. I had moved down there with my folks and I remember seeing it in Florida. Um, I didn't I didn't love four then. I mean, I, it, uh, I love that Loomis was back. There were parts of it I liked, right. but I just didn't think it was up to even two uh, prior to that. Yeah. Um, and then really didn't like five, especially by the time it got to the ending and the man in black had showed up. Uh, what, what in the hell is going on here? And a cliffhanger ending. I walked out of that theater just going, what, what? Who, are the same people making these movies? Because, wow. Right. And then six comes around, hated six. Uh, I was in Wilmington by then, uh, reviewed it for the local entertainment guide encore. And uh, in fact, I was so down on the series at that point. Um, I said the true curse because curse was the uh, subtitle i said the true curse of michael myers is heaven help us if he comes back in seven and uh, <laughs> yeah and then of course i had to eat those words because they turned that around in h2o which was you know wonderful and i really enjoyed it yeah. i'm one of the few who doesn't hate resurrection i obviously it is not you know it's down there in terms of strict quality yardstick yes it is not as good but at the same time, I got my enjoyment out of it, and I liked it better than any of the Thorn stuff. Same. Because it was just simple, just simple, you know, Michael Myers back in the house killing people, which is, yep. for me, that's all it's needed. Yes. Uh, did not like either of the Rob Zombies. In fact, I actively, truly hate both of them. I like him. Wow. I like movies that he, I love The Devil's Rejects and that whole series and franchise, but I just don't think he was the right guy for the Halloween's. They're perfectly good slashers in, in that they have a Terminator in them who busts through walls and stuff, but that's not <laughs> Michael Myers who creeps up behind you and is, you know, looking at you through the window with his, just a little bit of his face showing. And, and that wasn't, you know, Tyler Maine's character as written. He, he was literally just tearing rooms apart to get to these people. So not a big fan of either one of those. In fact, did not see those in the theater. Those were the first that I ever skipped in the franchise. And then we get to 2018, and uh, I thought they did a marvelous job with it. I know it divides people, but I liked it a lot. Um, I thought it was wonderfully uh, knowing of the history, even though they jettisoned it, which some, that seemed to really make people mad. You, well, you're going to cut all the, you know, you're saying it right from the first one to this one, you cut all the stuff on that middle part out, but then you're doing all these homages to it and Easter eggs and everything. Yeah, so what? <laughs> right. We all know they made those movies. We're just saying it in the story. It didn't happen. But why wouldn't you want the fans to go, oh, look, there's a mask from three. Oh, look, there's, you know, whatever. Yeah. Right. So thoroughly enjoyed it. And then, you know, was <laughs> breathlessly awaiting October of 2020 to see Halloween. Oh, that damn pandemic. All right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Waited another year, and uh, my niece actually won tickets, so we got to see it uh, awesome. Thursday night, which was nice. very wonderful. And uh, it was great being back in a theater, you know, what is it now, 43 years after the first movie, and watching a new Michael Myers movie on the big screen. Now, do you think that waiting that extra year uh, helped or, or kind of hurt your anticipation? Did it damper it at all? It didn't damper it. Um, unfortunately, it may have it, my expectations may have risen a bit, which I wish they hadn't. 
Uh, that can tend to happen. Yeah. Um, I don't think it was good for the film to wait because I, um, I've heard people saying on social media and stuff that um, they weren't even aware. They were a little bit lost because it had been three years mm-hmm. instead of, I guess, just two. I don't, I don't know if that extra year was that big of a thing, but um, you yeah. know, picking up right where the other one left off kind of deal. Um, I don't know. I, it didn't bother me. No, uh, I'm just glad it got out. I'm glad it didn't end up just, you know, going to video as they would have said 30 years ago. You know, it didn't go straight to video, so to speak. Right. And that's that was my whole point always. It's like, guys, we know they have it in the can. Like we have a new Halloween movie coming and that's not necessarily true every year. Uh, you know, the, look at the poor Friday the first. 13th franchise or hell the nightmare on elm street ones they've been waiting for one forever now ever yeah. since the remake right so I, I i was just happy one push back one year who cares so many things can well, happen i mean they dropped it on streaming anyway so why couldn't they have just done it last year um they probably didn't know what to do with the mm-hmm. pandemic they were trying to probably maximize the profits and they didn't know what to do so they pushed it back i don't blame them for it either um, I don't think they had the, the streaming model a year ago to, you know, the, the confidence in the streaming model. Right. I think they have done it since then. And uh, and also, I don't think Peacock necessarily existed. Or if it did, it was maybe not where it is now in terms of it's subscribers. definitely and newer, yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's a good point as well. Right. Absolutely. And uh, listen, when it came out, um, you know... I personally was excited for it, but the streaming thing, I mean, look, if they're making their money and they're okay with it, I personally don't care. I want to see everything on the big screen, but um, unfortunately for us, uh, Craig, we didn't get that experience. Like no, we, uh, we, we said we were going to go see it. And we went. Oh, we, we went. We, we were at the theater. We were there. We ordered drinks. <laughs> that happened. Yep. Um, but we did not get to see the movie. No. Nope. <laughs> so I guess um, the, it, there was something wrong with, with the, the projector of was, the film. I was going to say the print, but yeah, it's not a print anymore. But whatever they use, they said, yeah, it's not working. So we sat there for over an hour and, you know, they basically said, oh, hey, guys, half price off your food. We didn't even get any food. And here's a free movie ticket. And I'm like, this is bullshit. I'm like, no, I'm like, I. Well, they refunded us and gave us uh, movie tickets. I don't care. I'm here to see Halloween on on. Oh, he was so bad. I was so mad, mad, Craig. No, I went home just stone faced, just angry. Because, because again, like I wanted to watch it. I've been excited, but then we just watched it on Peacock at like eleven. As soon as it dropped. But, like, never ever has that been a thing. Well, the thing is, though, like, they waited over an hour. We're sitting in the theater with, like, the lights up. Like, so they showed, like, a pre-show of, like, previews. And, well, we we didn't actually get, like, previews to new films. I was hoping to see a Scream trailer. Right. On the big screen. Yeah. Um, Did you get that in yours? No. um, Marvel stuff and um, House of Gucci, I think. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I don't know. Nothing I was interested in. <laughs> well, but see, the problem is so, like, the it's getting ready to like start to play the previews, right? Of like films that are coming out or whatever. But then, like, I don't know what happened. Just it, cuts out. Yeah. And the lights come up, yep. like, right away. And so, but the thing is, they left us there for over an hour just waiting. Wow. 
Right. And so by the time that happened, uh, when they when they find, he's like, I'm the bearer of bad news. Yeah, you are. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but the thing is, by that time, there was no more showings of the film at other places. because right. it's too went, late. Yeah, it was too late to go see oh. that. So we're like, well, that's fucking stupid. I was so angry. So I was just like, well, you know, uh, we'll just watch it on Peacock, I guess. But like, I mean, I, I really wanted that theater experience. Same. But I mean, you, I, I, I don't know if it's necessarily even needed at this point. Well, for a movie like this, it's very debatable. I know some people said, oh, no, well, be, like after they found out I didn't see it in the theater, by the way. Oh, no, well, that that's, yeah, your, your rating should be higher according to my standards because I saw it in the theater and it was this. Now, for me, the rating has never really um, differed for me uh, that much in terms of a cin- cinematic experience going to see it, except maybe like a point. So out of five, maybe like the most it'll change is a point. I just don't think that this is one of those movies. Like you talk about Piranha 3DD, <laughs> like <laughs> that I want to see on the big screen. Do you know what I mean? Like stuff like that. It's different. Well, oh, yeah. I did this in the theater. But I did. I did. Do but you think it, it would have changed like how we feel about it? you think uh, no that's what i'm saying yeah. May- maybe a little bit but i don't know do you think the theater experience was a big part of this movie craig for you uh yeah i think it was because um the crowd added to it it was the perfect horror movie crowd they weren't fictating with that old sniglet about uh when you talk to a movie right uh, which i've had in friday four for example one of the greatest fictating crowds ever like don't oh, yeah. go in there and they were literally yelling stuff like that at the theater <laughs> but they weren't doing that but you could hear the gasps and when things would happen you know jump scares and stuff you you were getting that vibe from the the crowd so yeah i i do um i'd be perfectly happy to watch it at home but i'm not going to say that it wasn't more of an experience to see it in the theater right right so have you watched it from the theater to peacock no i i do plan to uh next weekend i'm doing my big uh yearly uh horror movie weekend and that's we're going to kick things off with kills from peacock um but no i have not yet uh i wanted to kind of i didn't want to see it again until we you would you guys and i talked uh because i wanted to go off just that one viewing yeah and uh, and then i'm going to be working all week until my horror movie weekend so i'm just going to wait and do it then with everybody else i love that you have a horror movie weekend yes <laughs> um yeah we've been doing them this will be number 11 um my um my nephew my niece and my good bud uh ray all come over and we we start friday night six or seven and we go until we just fall asleep uh early saturday morning and then we get up saturday morning at nine and we take off and that's the day we go from nine till after midnight, nine in the morning till after midnight, straight through, literally yeah. taking one disc out of the machine and putting the next disc in or, you know, getting the next streaming movie going. Do you have like a themed party to where like you have like food? Just horror. Really, or? Yeah. No, we, uh, well, there are, it's weird. Um, we always start in Haddonfield on Friday night uh, and we've managed to do with a couple of repeats, um, 2018, for example, is repeated, and Halloween 2 is repeated, weirdly, the original 81 Halloween. Um, uh-huh. And we've done three, but I've never shown the Rob Zombies. Um, <laughs> you I'm not them. completely unwilling to do it, because I think my crowd may actually kind of like it, but I just, I haven't had to, because suddenly in 2018, we had a new one, and um, and we actually went to the theater and saw it uh, as the opening uh, movie. Oh, wow. And then uh, we repeated it in 2019, and then um, 
I don't remember what I showed 2020. I think I showed the original again. And then this year we, we've got kills. So I, I'm still holding the two Rob Zombies back as, as my backups. To go <laughs> and, then, um, and then we do a zombie movie Saturday morning at nine. The first movie on Saturday is always a zombie movie. And, and that's really it. I get a classic in, I get something in black and white. I get a, a Vincent Price or Boris Karloff or something in there, even though that's not my crowd's favorite, but um, I indulge myself with one of those. And then, Past that, it's literally, it can go from the 70s to brand new, you know, things that have just started streaming. Uh, we jump around and try to mix it up and do a little slasher, a little supernatural. Here's a monster. There's a, you know, killer kind of thing. But everybody loves it. And we keep the body count. Um, We're in the thousands, thanks to Return of Living Dead's uh, new Kentucky. <laughs> nice. uh, the biggest single movie was the collection, the second oh. collector movie. Oh, when, uh, again, spoiler, when that entire room of people go down to the Blades, um, it's we. I estimated 250. So that movie alone was like 200. Oh, I love that opener. Yeah, I've only seen that opener. It's uh, that, so good. Uh, I go to Days of the Dead convention, and uh, they showed that film, um, which it always falls on my birthday weekend, so I'm usually a little too intoxicated to attend uh, <laughs> any of the films. But I did go um, see the opening of that movie, and then like I obviously had to go get ring drunk from the night before. So. Wow! <laughs> but it, I did go yeah. see the opening of that. <laughs> it's so weird though what's going on with that third one because the writers came out and and I guess they just abandoned that production. They stopped answering their phones. Well, that's depressing. It's so weird. It yeah. really is because yeah. I enjoyed those first two greatly, so I was looking forward to a third one. Yeah, really. same. Same. Well, and I have no problem, but I'll tell you right, guys, right now, I am not, I have no problem with sequels. You can make 25 of something. I don't I, care. I agree. If, it's a, yeah. if it enter entertains me, you know, I'm a Police Academy fan. I'm a James <laughs> Bond fan. I'm everything. Keep making them. Yes. I haven't seen the new uh, James Bond. Did you like that? I did. Yeah, I went, uh, I got to see the early, the Wednesday night IMAX screening. Ooh. And then I had to go back Sunday um, to see it in 3D because that's the only Bond film. Universal, just out of the blue, struck some 3D prints. Who knew? And, uh, and no other Bond film has ever been released in 3D. So it was like, well, that's going to be the IMAX and that are going to be the only time you're ever going to get to see those formats. Because when it goes to home video, it'll just be flat 235 to 1. Right. So, and the, the IMAX is uh, more of a 185 to 1 with more information on the top and bottom of the screen. Yep. So... Yep. You know, again, your one shot to see it in that format. Yep, I'm going to have to see that. So I've done it twice. Enjoyed it thoroughly. A little surprised by some of the some of the story turns, but um, but that's okay because the words I needed to see were the very last words that appeared on the screen. So nice. Oh, see that just hyped me up for it right there. It did. <laughs> well, I gotta ask you, Craig. Does evil die tonight? Ah. <laughs> uh, well, I know, I know some people are have certainly been saying it around Haddonfield, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. I since we've got a third film in the offing, I don't know. Evil may just have to go into a coma for a year. Or something. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. All right, I gotta ask you: do you do you like that dialogue? Do you like that aspect of the film, knowing that we have a third movie, but yet they say repetitively in this film? Evil dies tonight. <laughs> well, keep in mind, weirdly, we don't know that ends won't literally pick up and continue that same night because it, it, they could do real time 
I don't know exactly what time it is at the four end. Four years it's later. Yeah, I believe it's we read it. Jump. They're doing a four-year jump. Four oh, years. they are. Okay. Yep. Well, yep. Okay. So, oh, so Eagle did not die tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so, spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, our, let's let's. I, I we didn't talk about that before. Uh, spoilers? Are we going to go? Oh, one hundred percent. Hundred percent. Full on <laughs> spoiler. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I was, I was, I, I will tell you guys that, you know, but above anything else, I'm sitting in the theater and, and really it's hitting me, you know, how is this going to end? That's going to be satisfying. You know, you generally don't do cliffhangers very often. Right. And um, it's hard to pull off. It's hard to pull off in a way that satisfies the audience. And so I was thinking all the way through, you know, is he going to end up captured? Are they going to quote unquote, kill him again? Are they going to leave him in such dire straits that we're quite sure he's going to die like the last film? Right. <laughs> or is he going to, you know, pull the, the there's an indentation on the grass, but he's not there anymore type, oh, he got away kind of ending. But I did, and I didn't know, everybody is so divisive now with social media and everything. Yeah. None of those, you pick pick one and right. none of them are going to satisfy. You're, you're, you're going to have a vocal bunch screaming about how terrible it is that they chose well he got away well they killed it. well he you know so you weren't going to satisfy everybody no matter what they chose i was still a little surprised but i knew it was coming i knew there as the movie ended i knew that had to be the ending and then the words halloween kills appeared again and i was like well okay we know how they decided to end it which is they didn't end it, they stopped <laughs> it. that movie stopped it didn't end Right, right. Um, I think, though, uh, I just recently watched an interview that Jamie had did at a panel uh, a few years ago. I think it was a while ago. Um, But she wanted to kill Michael Myers um, and chop his head off. And she thought that was the proper ending. And so I think we're actually going to get this um, because they retcon it in Resurrection, obviously. But I think that's how the film is going to end. That's the ending that she's always wanted. And I think we're going to get it again. And this time it's definitive. It's all it's the only way you can kill him. Yeah. Remove his head from his body. <laughs> well, they told her that, um, no, you can't kill him. But we're going to let the audience think that you killed him because you have to do another film. Well, and I also heard that originally this was supposed to be just two movies. So mm-hmm. certainly. Uh, Halloween 2018 and Halloween Kills. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, I don't know what they were going to call the second one. Yeah. But it was supposed to be just two the, the two stories kind of blended into two movies, but they made it three. Um, and all right, let's let's start at the beginning. Uh, Craig, how did you feel about all the 78 flashback stuff? Well, first off, I got to tell you this. This is just a weird side note, but um, <laughs> I was I was thrilled that Loomis was back in it um, for that part. And then I'll, I'll, I'll answer your question more directly. But I was thrilled that Loomis is back in those flashbacks. And I thought they did a marvelous job representing him in whatever fashion they used right um, but i gotta tell you that, that the guy the body of who is in that i don't know how much digital they did but it's actually a construction coordinator who works here in wilmington named tom jones known him for 20 plus years almost 30 years had no clue i'm facebook friends with him we you know we chat on there sometimes and he didn't give a clue that he was playing loomis in this <laughs> wow with some digital enhancements but uh, yeah, that, so that flabbergasted me when I saw they credited him at the end. And uh, so I went home and uh, immediately posted on his wall, 
I always thought you were a Pleasant's fellow. Uh, <laughs> did he respond? That's awesome. Uh, it actually was right in the midst of all of his hundreds of birthday greetings because that happened to be oh. his birthday. Oh, and I wow. don't think we've seen it yet to this point, but um, but he acknowledged it after the film had come out. He put a picture of himself digitally enhanced into the Donald Pleasant's look. But <laughs> going back to your question, um, I I loved the '78 stuff. I thought they went back to it more than I thought they needed to. Yeah. Um, and I also thought it was weird to start the film there. I actually thought that should have been pushed back. I thought we should have gotten Jamie on the way to the hospital. And maybe when Patton's character is brought in, then you go back to that. And maybe you would only needed to do it once then. Right, right, um, right. But, but I thought they did a marvelous job of reproducing 78. I thought the Michael Myers looked good. I thought the Loomis looked good. The voice was not as, you know, just like the Peter Cushing voice in the Star Wars movie. Yeah. It's not perfect. Uh, right. I wish they could have somehow taken actual Donald Pleasance and somehow digitally, like, clipped out the words they needed and made it you know pieced it together or something right but, yeah right but I, uh, but they did a pretty nice job in the house of course i'm still trying to figure out there's a gentleman named kenny who actually owns michael myers house two hours from here up in hillsborough north carolina he has an exact replica of the house oh, and i still don't know if they built that house here or if they went to his house and shot it and then just digitally added the neighborhood in around, because he lives out in the boonies, his house, there's nothing around his house. And but I don't know which they did. And he's kept his mouth shut about whether or not they shot there. So Wow. I love how everybody's keeping their mouth shut, though, because that's that's why you know, like, well, obviously, like, breaking contracts, too. I get that part. But it seems like everybody wants to keep certain things, you know, uh, spoiler-free and keep keep the uh the excitement build for people that yeah that don't know what to expect that some some people that don't watch trailers and and all that kind of thing like i love how it's uh people were being hush hush about it for all the right reasons they don't want to spoil it that's right. great yeah yeah i mean that's why i haven't said anything about the film i don't well, want to influence somebody's um opinion of the film just because i know a lot of people will like if I say I like someone, okay, I'll go see it. Or if I don't like it, then all right, I'm gonna avoid it then. Like I don't wanna like negate anybody's experience. I posted one picture and Craig, you saw it. <laughs> and 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 it was it is, it's my favorite shot in the movie, and it kind of alludes to how I feel about it. But with that said, you know, social media is such a here's my movie shit. Like I, I I'm not gonna do that with anybody. Like we're not gonna go back and forth with a couple of words. Like I want to break down what I what I liked, what I loved about this movie, and maybe a couple things that I didn't love so yeah. much about it. But never do I did I want to be that guy that's like overtly negative about something, uh, especially in the beginning when it first comes out and everybody's all hyped on it. Like talk to me in a couple of weeks and, and and I'll break down exactly why. In a, in a harsh way but not so much just yet unless it's on this podcast because this is our podcast and it's about to get ripped <laughs> uh, well i think dan just alluded to how he feels about it so overall <laughs> Craig, did this satisfy your need for a michael myers film the first half hour i was ambivalent about it i wasn't i wasn't loving it but i wasn't hating it Again, I was a little surprised that, that a big chunk of the 1978 flashback is right there at the top of the film. Yeah. Right. Uh, and it and and it just uh, it wasn't 
grabbing me uh, at that point. Uh, it grabbed me the first time where I was absolutely not riveted to the screen was when the car full of the doctor, nurse, uh, nurse chambers, and uh, Miss Richards, uh, Lindsay, Lindsay. Uh, stops, gets stopped, and then she goes over to the park to get the kids out, and Michael shows up. Yep. That's where the movie kicked into high gear for me. From that yes. point, basically, till Halloween Kills appeared on the screen again, I was pretty much in it with a few deviations of not sure why they're doing what they're doing right now, which some of the crowd, uh, the, the mob stuff, I it took me out of it a little bit. But right. for the most part, from that point forward, I was the suspense of the two guys in the house, in the Myers house, the, the couple uh, trying to get who's invaded their house out. That's pounding for that whole scene. Yeah. Yeah. And that's obviously Mike, Michael McDonald as well, as everybody knows. Which is what a strange thing. Yeah. The guy who's yelling no to Austin Powers, you know, the <laughs> steamroller. Yeah. And now here he is, yeah, getting Michael Myers killing the shit out of him in this movie. <laughs> well, you don't actually see his death on screen, though. Ah, that was my biggest problem. Like, I hate off screen kills, Craig. How do you feel about off screen kills? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not, unless the reveal of it is going to be its own thing, right? That, where it's super important that, and you and the character don't know what happened to that other character. And then you open the closet door and, oh, they're there and they're dead. Right. That you can, you can sell that to me, but yeah, I'm kind of with you. I don't cut away. And, yeah. and again, from my one viewing, I know one of them gets it horrifically bad with something in the eye, but I actually yeah, don't remember <laughs> does it does it just cut away as Michael is approaching Mike Michael McDonald's character? Yes. Yeah, which was weird okay. about it was uh, Michael's in the window and then Michael McDonald's like Michael, you came home and then like you see like That's Michael right. turn around, walk towards him, walk towards him. Yeah, and then you hear like, him scream. Yeah, yes. and like he's still in frame. Why are you screaming? <laughs> like, like you're dying at this point. Like why did you not run away? Here's my my <laughs> biggest problem with the off screen kills in this is okay. Why I think it, I think he did such a great job in that role when he's like. He's like, I got a knife. Like, just the whole thing. I got thing. this knife. I think the, the guy that stole the show for me was Lenny Clark. There's a big guy in there, and he's wearing a monster mask. Yes. <laughs> he's right up there with uh, Tom McLaughlin's wife in part yeah. six, Friday yeah. six. Yes, yes. Knowing, knowing that that's a bad bad thing. You know, it's not a good idea to mess around with hulking guys in masks. Exactly. <laughs> right. Well, they had a lot of editing issues on this movie. You uh, noticed that too. Yeah. And that, that, I think it's its biggest detriment in my opinion. Um, because it, he said he makes like, well, and it's with the dialogue, which easily they had a year they could have fixed this. Like, did nobody watch this go like in the last year to where they could have just edited it? So you said with the dialogue, how so? Well, like Lenny Clark says, it looks like the fires put out over at... Um, uh, Lori's store, house, right. yeah, but then like an hour later into the movie, her house is still on fucking fire. <laughs> well, they did put it. I, I, I will give that a pass because I don't. He says, "Yeah, it looks like it's out, like from upstairs or whatever." I believe the line is, and I could. But see... why even reference it though? Like you don't need to, right? Like okay, is it just to set up that they're that close so that yes. it's there? Why Michael is there? Correct. Yeah. Why he yep. walked to their house? Yeah, but it's stupid. That's it. I and I agree. Well, you're right, though. It could have been switched. And I wonder if that scene, I don't I don't understand how it could be, but I'm wondering if it was from later in the film and they moved it up earlier 
Right. But it, they almost have to be the first kills because, again, they talk about him making a straight line from here to there. Yes. And so that has to be the next place he stopped at unless he's jumping back and forth. Right. But it would have been easily, why not just say it looks like the, they're, they're still fighting the fire? But yeah, you know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> or the house is still on fire or something instead of the fire's out, especially oh, when... Oh, that thing burnt to the ground. Right. Like, all right, so not only yeah. is the fire out... But uh, her house was burned to the ground in that shot. <laughs> oh, can I say something too about that opening scene with Michael coming out with the firefighters as well? Uh, first of all, I love the scene. It was great. It, but it, it was a trailer spoil. Uh, yeah. It I, was. Yeah, I wish we didn't see that. But hey, one thing- they, that they, was... they put too many kills in there. I'm sorry to interrupt you. And I oh. do want to hear what you have to say about it. But, but I, uh, now I am sad I saw the trailer because there were they showed- even though they were early in the film, yeah. it, it kind of, that was another reason I wasn't as involved is because I'd already seen all that in the trailer, all those right. first, you know, dozen kills. But what were you going to say about the firefighters? Well, what they didn't reveal exactly in the trailer of how it went down anyways, is how Michael got out of there. Like as that house is burning in the end, it's like, how, what, what is he going to do? And the fact that they did the callback to the little gun thing when she pulls up the thing, that's where he was hiding. Good enough for me. I love it. Let's go. Like that, that kind of stuff was great. He just pops out of the little gun case. That was brilliant, I thought. And I just love how like a little shot like that, which we didn't know, that was a surprise. I've been wondering, well, for two years now, how does Michael get out of there? And then, oh, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> they, they, it's a callback to 2018. I just thought that was a nice touch. But yeah, then you get to the firefighter scene and, and you know, there were certain shots like from the mask and stuff, like looking sideways and, and on the ground. And I thought that was really cool. But at the same time, yeah, I wish I didn't know that at all. That would have been amazing to see for the first time. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. but anyways, that aside, um, I think that this movie in the hype in itself for Halloween Kills is it's got a huge body count, right? So yeah, I, I think that's what they were trying to do as opposed to, because the first film, 2018, yeah. uh, there was a lot of off-screen kills. So I think they had to make up for it in this one, which they did. However, I feel like this one was a little too mean-spirited. Yeah? Yeah. With uh, Danny DeVito's stunt double? Yes. Yeah? Okay. Well, <laughs> should we get into that? Um, yes. I feel like before we get there, we, we have to talk about the, um, the, the, the big bar scene. One of my most hated scenes of all time. Really? Ever. Yep. Yep. Well, I think... Uh, I, I spoke to you about this before, but I think that the reason they put this scene in there was because they're dumbing it down for their stupid Facebook audience. Not acceptable. <laughs> not acceptable to me. That that well, does not. People are us. so confused. So like, what what happened to Jamie? What happened to John? Like, who was Karen? Why dumb it down though? <laughs> Why have attention to detail? And well, you, and be, you're gonna because have... you have those people. That's well, fuck those people though. They're not Halloween fans. I know. David Gordon Green's a Halloween fan. I, I just, I don't understand it. The, the introduction to those characters was such a lazy way of putting them all together, not only in the same place, but eerily like small. Like, I think there's like 28 people in Haddonfield, and that's how small this town actually is. And at a talent show, nonetheless, Tommy, Tommy Doyle gets up there, tells the story of Michael. He even says the line, is he real? I don't know. 
Like what? Yes, what? you do, motherfucker. Like you know that he's yes, real. You what? know, you know. Who knows if he's real? <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, that he would. He I d- was that little boy. So well, actually, Anthony Michael Hall wouldn't know because he's not really Tommy Doyle. Well, yeah, <laughs> they should have got Paul Rudd. <laughs> but but in that scene, it's a talent show as well in a bar, and then he goes and tells that story. Which okay, I get it. I get it. It's Halloween night. This is what you're gonna do. This is to comm- commemorate. The massacre of like, but they act like the we? town doesn't know. None of those people in the bar did. That's stupid. But like, they're like, "This is for you, Lori." It's Lori. Lori wasn't even there. They didn't even know where Lori was. <laughs> it, the, 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 I have so many problems with that bar scene. And then, and then, just in case uh, we don't know who Lindsay Wallace is, he shines the light <laughs> on him. And then they show us flashbacks of all these characters and, and Marion's just chilling with them now. Like what is going, what is happening? It was right there that I knew we were in trouble. (laughs) Uh, What do you think, Craig? Yeah. Well, that's, that's a fine line to walk because, you know, you've got to, you've got to give some of the the non-super fans some, you know, cabbage head stuff to let them in on what's going on <laughs> yeah and the fact that you've got two of the three original actors uh playing the same characters right i, I didn't mind the, the the flashbacks but i wonder let me throw this at you had they not had they all been sitting at the bar drinking and they get into the thing with the doctor and nurse yeah. that they got into but if that had led instead to a conversation and that, and through the conversation, they had told those two the same information in a slightly less stilted way, shall we say? Right. Would that have, you think that you that would have worked better for you? Hundred percent. And and that's the thing too. Yeah. I, I even think that you don't even have to put all those characters in the same room and, and scene one. Like if you're gonna use a mob mentality, have them all meet at the hospital. Then that and and then there you go. Ma- Marion sees them. Oh my god, it's her. Blah blah blah. Like it's just it just seems so convenient. And to make it even smaller in the parking lot of that exact bar is the guy from Smith Smith's Grove in the back of her car. Like we're getting really, really small here. Like we're telling a big story and, and all this chaos happened with the escape mental patients and Michael Myers. And now we're getting into, you know, mass hysteria type of things. And it's right outside in the parking lot. <laughs> like how big is Haddonfield? Right. <laughs> Well, here now here's the thing about that. Haddonfield to me is a is a small Illinois town of about three thousand people. That's my best estimate. Okay. Okay. And I based that on, you know, when I was a kid, the way they talk, uh, I think it's in the second film, uh, the girl next door to the old folks that he gets the knife from. Harold, you want mayonnaise on your sandwich? Um, <laughs> Mr. Elrod, yeah. Mr. Elrod, yeah, that's it. So the Elrod house next door, the girl says something about her parents went to Hardin County. Well, there is a Hardin County, and it's oh. it's an hour or so south of where I lived in Illinois. And so, in in my opinion, Haddonfield is a town called Benton, Illinois. Basically, Benton has been renamed Haddonfield in this series. It has the same wide streets that um, when you go to the Wallace uh, and Doyle house, the the babysitting house is in the first film. Yeah. Um, that wide street that's how benton is set up it looks like that and so i truly believe you know as a kid i had the theory that that was where haddonfield was because it hadn't it 
something about it being 150 miles away from Smith's Grove, something like that. We see a sign, I think, that says that in the series early on. Um, and he had to drive there and it took him a while and all of that. And, right. and so that made Smith's Grove somewhere around Springfield, which is halfway to Chicago. And notice never in this series, Chicago is never mentioned even though it's the major city in Illinois. Right. They never say the word Chicago that I remember anywhere. No, no. So no, that's, what, right. that's what tells me that it's at the other end of the state, see, where I'm, where I'm from. So that's, and of course, I wanted it to be from where I'm from. So, <laughs> so there is all of that. So there is a shot in this movie, and I'm not going to, I don't remember exactly when it is, but it's somebody's walking around in the wilderness. Yeah. And they, and there's a shot of, the two figures are in front of us and they're fairly small. And then behind them, there's this break in trees and, and they're up on a hill of some kind, like really high up. Yeah. You see the rest of the city and it looks like Los Angeles laid out. And yeah, there's it, a radio tower. Yes. And it's like, is this city, is this, is it, are they saying this city is like, you know, 45,000 people or, you know, million? Is it, is it supposed to be like a small, no, it's 3,000 people. It's, it's rows of houses up and down it's and, what brackets said you know and, and that's supposedly more undeveloped because that's in the 78 uh flashback scene with the with the two cops with hawkins okay. and, and the and he's like yeah haddonfield nothing exciting happens in this town in this big ass town <laughs> so you got to think if time it's got to be more developed than that so it's probably even bigger now so yeah i know exactly what you mean and I don't know where they shot that either. I don't know if that was a digital effect because there's no place here in Wilmington that you could shoot that shot. Right. Without some kind of trickery. You know? Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, and to, to be honest, you know, um, it, that's kind of my biggest problem with all of these movies. It's, it's very, it's very hard to follow um, where we are. Uh, what, what's going on. Like all the Haddonfield stuff with Lonnie and keep it on that street, like keep it small. Like, and then that's why I started getting confused because we started going to a lot of different places in Haddonfield. Now there, there was also, um, you know, Tommy, who <laughs> this is one of my biggest problems with it as well. So he's getting everybody amped up, you know, even at the bar, it's not at massive levels yet, you know, the crowd, but they, they see the guy and then they chase him away. And that's where, you know, it starts with everyone, right? Like that's where yeah. the buzz begins and, and, and it slowly progresses from there. Um, if your whole thing is to kind of get a mob behind you and that's kind of the purpose, why would you then go looking for Michael Myers by yourself? That's what he did. He goes by himself looking for him, then finds Marion, Lindsay, and the other couple there. And then they're just like sitting there. And they're just sitting there while Lindsay goes and helps the kids. Like they're supposedly out hunting Michael. We're just going to have a conversation in the car. Like what? Like, <laughs> and then what? not even be able to survive just and sitting in a parking lot. <laughs> so why get this mob mentality where it's like, hey guys, we got to get him. Let's break up into groups of twos, threes, and fours. And where's the rest of the townies? Does everybody have their two high school kids on their team? Because we need two high school kids and a team of four. And give the high school girl the shotgun. What? What? Yeah. She just lost her dad. <laughs> and, and she turned into Ripley as soon as she went to Lonnie's, uh, the back of Lonnie's truck. She's like, what do you got? Excuse me, Ripley? <laughs> like, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to say too, I don't know what I don't know how old that actress is, Andy, and I can't pronounce that last name. 
Um, yeah, I can't. But say she that. looked very much older. She did not look high school age at all anymore. The three years have not done her well. <laughs> I, I would agree. She looked so much older than the boyfriend in this movie. She looked like his mom to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, she did. Um, she, she was in that film, <laughs> Son. Um, which is a Shutter exclusive. Have you seen that one? Uh, no, I have not watched that. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Maybe she was too close to the sun. That's what aged her. Um, no, and see, here's my here's a couple other problems I have with it. Like, and th- th- I want to preface everything that I'm saying with I really enjoyed some aspects of this movie. Like, I honestly yeah. did. It's just for me, there are so many uh, plot things going on that I like my Halloween movies simple. Like, keep them uh, the simpler the better. Like Laurie Strode, she's the head headmistress. But she's not even in it. I well, not this movie. No, you got you got um, uh, mental patients that are getting more screen time than Laurie Strode in this movie. Oh yeah, well, can we get into that now? Uh, let's. I say we should. I hate it. Like uh, we rewatched <laughs> it, and I could not even rewatch that scene, Craig. Evil dies I, tonight. I hated it. I hated it. Um, it was so mean. Like that. You talk about the pursuit of the of the other guy, the Smith guy. Yeah, yes. okay. I hated yeah. it. I get it. Like Dan's trying to tell me, he's like, "Well, he's a mental patient. Who knows what he did? He could have raped, like, whatever." And I was like, "I don't care. Like, he's still, you know." Like, that was not my no argument. Pe- that was. No, no. I had asked. I wonder what he actually did. So he was on the same bus. Yeah, but you're trying to give. Like, oh no, I was just curious. I don't think that that justifies a mom. Do you think we're gonna get a backstory on him in the next film? It's Oswald Cobblepot. That's the backstory. That's what? exactly who it is. What? Hello to, hello to Colin Farrell. Woo, what a great cameo. Oh, oh man. <laughs> he looked great in that new trailer. He did look like that. Um, <laughs> now, I agree. Uh, Smith's Grove is not necessarily hardened criminals, in my understanding. It's right. a sanitarium for people who are not well in the head. Yeah. Right. So he didn't necessarily do anything to anybody other than not be able to function in society. Right. That's so, true. Yeah, and he uh, scared. Yeah, and and I did find that massively sad. I I had a feeling it was heading towards a tragic ending early on, but I kept hoping that they were going to let that guy escape. Um, <laughs> but yeah, boy, he he has a terrible terrible end. Um, yeah, I couldn't rewatch it. I like, there's not a lot. Like, I mean, I think I can stomach almost anything. Right. But I don't know, that bothered me for some reason. Well, it really did. The biggest problem with that whole pursuit, though, is the fact that, oh, we're going to have Judy Greer, one of our main characters. She's the one that slips away and gets to him first and finds him. And, and there's that whole arc. Because let's face it, they break down how one deals with kind of grief and or fear. trauma, fear, trauma. Yeah. And that's what kind of the first uh, movie kind of puts its focus on. I feel like this explores it um, in, a, in a different way in terms of you see how Lori does it, like just morphine to the ass. That's how I'm dealing with it in this movie. Wake me up in the next movie. I'm just going to shoot myself with morphine. And, and obviously um, Judy, who tries to sympathize to a certain extent with this guy anyways, and uh, she's trying to, what ends up being her fate. I think her curiosity killed her. She just had to understand him. That'll get you killed around Michael Myers. Like you can't under, like you're not going to understand like, well, I think he was after her. Just don't get out of his way. 
and then, and then you will survive. Like, don't put yourself in his way. And there you go. And then obviously the youngest granddaughter, she was all about revenge. She was the revenge part of it where she was just all gung ho thinking like as a high school girl, she can take on Michael Myers. <laughs> well, he's an old guy, you know, they, they, people of that age don't have respect, you know, for anything that somebody, you know, well, he's got to be in his 60s, 60s that my grandpa's, you know, in his 60s, he can barely move. So really, right. I can take this guy out. Yeah, well, let's, let's let's get to the Jamie Lee Curtis thing, because I do have some stuff to say there for sure. Please. Yes. Um, you know, if I'm not mistaken, I think I have read over the years that even she was disappointed with the fact that she had so little to do in the original 1981 Halloween 2, and that she herself got the comatose from the drug bit pushed back further into the film so she would have a little more to do or something like that. Oh. And so now I was very surprised with how little she had to do and how similar it was right. to the 1981 movie in that she was out of commission in that one you know, hospital room yeah. for such a long chunk of the movie. And on top of it, now I have to wonder, did they wound her in the 2018 movie specifically because she told them, I don't want to do a lot in the second one. <laughs> so take me out and get me into a hospital room and I'll come back and I'll, I'll finish the damn thing up in three, but I'm, I really don't want to, I don't want to be working every day in the second one i you know which she very well could as very the, well, the leading you know actors and driving forces of this thing right or did they wound her in that film and then when they went to get this one together they were like oh crap we huh. really did her badly we're we can't have her running around her guts are hanging out of herself <laughs> you know she's going to be pushing her own stuff back into her this hole we put in her we're going to have to put her in the hospital for a chunk of this, you know? Yep. And I wonder which way that went. Right. I, yeah. And, and it just seems like this movie, uh, this, the stuff that I like with all, with everything Myers, I actually like the Jamie Lee Curtis stuff. I, I honestly think one of my favorite moments is when her and Hawkins are in the bed and they have a little back and forth and then they just stop and they get hi. Hi. Like, I love that. That, that was just such yes. a small, you know, and, and honestly though, it's like, it's it's such a tease because it's like, hey guys, wink, this is what we're really going to do in the third movie, but stick around, we're going to get to it. Like, you know, and it's just, it feels very much like a part two of, of a whole overarching uh, thing. But I will say this, that if I don't necessarily love the middle part, I do appreciate the fact that it's, it's filmmakers taking a shot at Michael Myers and they have the foresight to write it over three movies and they know they're making them. That is very rare. You don't get that often. It's usually, hey, let's chop off his head. Oh, shit, it made a lot of money. Okay, now we got to bring him back and then retcon it. Exactly. You know? Yeah. So No, I you're exactly right. In fact, you know, you even hear stories of the guys who wrote any franchise going back to the universal monsters yep. and they would actually kind of say fuck you to the next set of writers by purposely trying to kill their you know kill the characters in this movie in such a way and then basically throw you know double fingers to the <laughs> next writers i don't i don't envy you having to come up with you know what i just did to them get right. them out of it kind right. of thing Hence the man in black. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah it's, and that's the thing. And it's like, it's so convoluted and you never know, you know, Hey, is this going to be the last one in this series? Are they going to reboot it again? Well, we know definitively that that's not going to be the case. And we know somewhat 
that what to look forward to. So it does have an overall arc and not that it gets passes on certain things, but it kind of does because the shit that they're talking about, you know, that they're going to, that they're going to pick it up and, and, and further it in the next one, or at least one would assume that they would do that. So I guess a lot of things do get a pass it for me, it's more excitement and hope like, Oh man, I hope to see more of that. And I heard that this movie will be smaller this, this next movie will be smaller than this current entry, Not his which, name. which that's what I like, you know, and it's my personal preference. I don't know what anybody wants out of their horror movies. And I can't fault filmmakers for trying to add something new and different. I just think that with all the mob stuff, with all the craziness going on in this movie, it was just too much. It was too much to follow. And it took away from the really good shit, which was basically everything with Myers. Like I loved everything with Michael Myers. I thought it was all fantastic besides a couple off-screen kills and stuff like that um i thought that the look of him was phenomenal i liked the way he moved i like the way you move i liked everything about that character and how they did it and and you know i think with this being a second entry i don't want to take away from that you know you got to put respect on the fact that they got michael myers right and now he's pissed off by the time you get to his house at the end He's really pissed off. Take his yeah. mask. Now he's furious. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, that's, really that, true. that's a good point. I think though, all right, so they're trying to give this film, um, you know, Michael more reason for doing what he's doing. I think though, uh, you know, just based off of 2018 and then this film, his mask is what makes him. Like, I feel like his mask is what gives him power. I don't think it's like, it's the only way I can explain him i guess i don't know no Um, it's yes i i would agree like well he's like uh, several times in this movie they're like demasking him that's how kyle richards is able to escape him Uh um she she tries to take off his mask uh you know and then judy greer takes off his mask and like it's like it takes a minute for it to like seep into his soul or something because they're able to kick his ass because he just had his mask off so it would make sense that he's fueled by the mask. It's not about the kills. It's the mask, I think. I mean, it's all fucking stupid stuff, though. <laughs> Let's uh, get no, but we have to make a reason for something. But, like, I mean, they're trying to explain it, that, like, the more he kills, the more he, you know, is fueled. He gets but, stronger. But, yeah. I mean, he's been killing, like, a billion people in this movie, and they were able to do it. So I have to believe that it has to do with the mask itself. Yeah, no, so... All he really like, and that kind of explores some of the themes in this movie. Um, when when the when he's talking about how Michael used to just stare out, and maybe he wasn't staring out, maybe he was just staring at his reflection. So I think he's just a vain motherfucker. He cares about a couple things. He cares about being at home, and they make that a point, and that's how they find him. Which I'm sorry, but like somebody should have probably realized that a little sooner. Like, right. oh, Michael's going home. Why? Because he does it in every other movie. <laughs> Well, he goes home a lot in this film. And then, so if you take his mask, yeah, I mean, that's Michael Myers, you know? Um, yeah, yeah, let's let's get into that ending, though. Like, because I know we're jumping around here, but it, it goes right into it to where that ending, I thought, lacked big time. I thought all the kills well, everybody were... everybody wanted her. I thought it was on point, though, and all the kills were on point. 
but when I, when I heard the hype of this movie, which has nothing to do with the movie, by the way, that's my own expectations, me hearing things. So not to do with the movie, but it was being hyped as this over the top slasher and it's going to have some of the craziest death scenes ever. I think that we got that in some of them, like some deaths were great, but it was missing that one shot from 2018 when they just followed him around going around killing people. I think that they had an opportunity at the end to have an incredible showdown with him and the mob and the way that they cut it in slow motion for me personally, it just didn't do it for me. It just wasn't bad, uh, badass enough. I think that was a great opportunity. It, all I could think of is like the uh, in Freddy vs. Jason when Jason comes out in the cornfield and he just starts hacking out kids. Do something like that in real time and do a one shot of that. That would have, I think, been such a cap to uh, to you know Halloween kills and then slow it down for Tommy Doyle. Go ahead, but I just think that the choice to do it in slow motion with Rory talking over it. While I enjoyed some of her dialogue, I think it was too much, kind of like I'm talking right now. It was just too much. And and it just, it, I'm sorry, but it just didn't do it for me at the end. I was like, oh, here we go. He got his mask back. And then he just, oh, okay. That's what we're doing. Uh, Craig, how, how do you feel about that whole sequence? Well, yeah, it, it, I hate, and I totally understand. I think that you guys also are not big on, you know, having stuff spoon fed, but they, they, there was a very tiny bit of lip service about Loomis shooting him six times, which that did happen um, because, you know, the first film is complete and, and is intact. It's only after he gets up from the grass that we pick up in the 78 flashback in this film. Right. And, um, and the, the two cops say something like Loomis said he shot him six times or something, but they yeah. don't make a big, they don't draw it out. And I think if, if your if your ending is going to be that he's going to get beaten and shot several times yeah. and, and any normal man is done, but he gets back up repowered supernaturally and now <laughs> takes the crowd out and is gearing up for movie three. I'm not sure that you don't need to get, you don't have to explain it down to like scientific. You don't necessarily have to stop the movie. And now this is why he, but I think you might need to at least bring up the mystery of it. How did he survive those six shots in 1978? Loomis did shoot him. You could see it in the, you know, you could have somebody just going off the rails about, they took that jumpsuit off of him and it had six holes in it. Right. And yet he went, you know, and they, they took him to the sanitarium and the guy was fine. How could that be? You know, you could have played that up. Right. And then it would have totally set the expectation that when they beat him down at the end of the movie, you know what, when you beat him down to the point of death, he comes back. Right. That's when he comes back. Right. And if they had just underlined that somehow without making it just, you know, oatmeal going in your mouth, <laughs> I'm not sure that that wouldn't have played a little bit. Because I was surprised by it. I actually thought the ending was going to be they had him down and they were going to chain him up. Yep. And and that was going to be the ending was they were dragging him off to prison again. At which point then I was thinking, boy, I feel sorry for the writers of three who have to explain without it just being a total, you know, shit show, right. how he's going to escape again. 
you yeah. know, how he's, once again, we're not going to keep him chained, you know, to the point of not being able to move when he's proven he can crash a bus and get away. Right. So if you do anything less than that, if there's any opportunity for him to escape, then it makes every character around him stupid. Right. And so, <laughs> so I was not looking forward to that, you know, being the case. <laughs> yeah. But you're going to have that. There's, there's a problem somewhere and it's either he gets back up and kills everybody like he did or capture <coughs> him. And then you've got to explain how he gets away again without, again, without it just being, you know, come on. Kind of right. like, you know, Bruce Willis poking fun, you know, the third time and the third diehard, you know, yeah, this crap happens to me every couple of years or whatever. Right. You know, I'm too old for this. He escapes shit. every time we try to move him from one place to another. We'll stop moving him from one place to another then. Right. <laughs> exactly. And that's kind of the, the thing to this movie, too. It's like, I, I do like how they they made it an effort obviously to reboot this and to not continue uh, after the first one, meaning with all the sequels. So what does it really break down to the brother and sister angle that they didn't know each other? Cause like you said, Craig, he has all his physical attributes from all the other sequels. He's the big bulking Michael Myers that we know based from his movements that are more indicative of the sequels than anything. But since those aren't canon, it's more of a nudge, nudge, wink, wink thing. So you have to think that the brother and sister thing was the main thing as to why they wanted to take all those out. Okay. So the question now is why, why would they do that? Um, And, and is it, is what they have to say on the contrary, uh, you know, worth it? Like, it was it worth it to even take out all those sequels? Yeah. Um, and I think that with every, with after all said and done, I don't think any of it matters. I think what they were trying to say is, Michael doesn't care who you are, you get in his way and he will fuck you up. And despite your self guilt, like it's everybody's fault. No, I have to be the one to kill him. No, it's me. Like, I just thought that was so extra. Like, I get what they're trying to say with everything here, too. I just think it's it, it's not even heavy-handed. It's just kind of corny. Like, it's just kind of corny the way. And then let's, I mean, guys, can we talk about Bracket for a second? Good Lord. Good. Oh, no. I liked seeing him. Oh, did you not? Dude, I mean, that was. Well, no, the- I mean, that it's fun. <laughs> It, it, everybody's entitled the one good scare oh no i cringed i know but like i cringed like, well I, I like seeing him but i don't think he needed to be there you know i don't know when that guy fell he was right there and he goes he's turned us all into the monsters oh but yeah, so they go get him again and why is tommy doyle like this does not feel like tommy doyle to me who was that dude? I don't know that guy. He like so he's got a guy. bat and he thinks he's cool. I don't know. But no, that <laughs> I love I love seeing Bracket, but again, and I know it's I don't write movies, so I don't know if I could think of something better. But like, hey, we're in the hospital. Who's who's running security? It's Bracket. <laughs> Can we agree that Kyle Richards is definitely the standout in this though? Did you like Kyle that? Richards did an amazing job and I had no clue. I really wondered if she was gonna be a big detriment because you know she's yep. a damn real housewife, you know. Yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, and yet yeah, that <laughs> sequence with her being stalked, I mean I my heart was in my throat. 
Same, Thank you, same. Craig. That was the scariest part of the film. Craig, I am so happy that he brought it's that old up. Old school horror. Oh, uh, but it. all right, I gotta ask you, Craig. What happened to her? Like, all right, so when we leave her, like she's clearly alive, and she was just running. And but she didn't like have any of the mess on her face. But the next time we see her, she's bloody, covered in something's mud. missing there. There's gonna yep. be a deleted scene on the disc. Yeah. See, Craig just knows. Thank you. Yeah, I was like. Yeah. It ruined it for me in that capacity. When I start talking about, I, I've talked about this to several people and they're just like, uh, yeah, no, that doesn't sound right. Craig knew exactly what we were talking yeah. about. And that's what I mean. Like there's certain things in this movie where, like you said, they had a whole extra year, but, but you had made the point, baby. We were, cause Lacey Rue watches Real Housewives and she had broken her nose on the episode. Yeah, she did. It <clears throat> makes sense to me if she was, if she broke her nose while in a fight with Michael Myers, she said that's when she broke it. Yeah, but, I but, could I could see them taking something out, and and we didn't see the full thing just because of that reason in itself. But yeah, I love how Craig said that that was that was so suspenseful because that to me was my was probably my favorite part of the movie. It was so good. It was so good. And I and I have I, you know there myself I. I don't like when Alice dies at the beginning of Friday too. I don't like when you, if you survive one, damn it. I hate when they come back and get you, you know? So those, those kills always bother me. So I didn't want him to get her and especially not get her in these horrific way. He's killing everybody in this movie. I mean, nobody gets the knife to the gut, you know, one one or two, you know, they get hacked a thousand times or their head gets chopped off or they get something in the eye or, you know, their face gets burned off or whatever. Their head explodes these horrible, horrible deaths. And I didn't want to see that little girl that we enjoyed in 78. And it's even the same actress, right? you know, mm-hmm. die in one of these horrific ways. So, uh, yeah, so that suspense, I mean, they had me in that one. They could have, you know, I, I was ready. All right, we got to talk about Lonnie. Lonnie. You know, I, I liked Lonnie. I th- and you got to give them that, for whatever reason, they did not spoon feed. There was a line about him going up in the house, only not. Right. But they didn't really, they didn't flash back to Lonnie, get your ass away from there. No. <laughs> they or didn't. anything else. Yeah. Well, that was part so, two. We couldn't. Okay. So. Oh. I, was well, it part two? No, that was part one. No, that's one. That's, no, that's one. one. Oh, I'm, I'm dumb. No. He's oh. hanging outside the Myers house while Brackett's right. driving up and down the street. So. Yes. Now, okay. Yeah. Here's, here's my thing with Lonnie. I really love that opening scene with him in it, the flashback scene, I think it's cool. Now, I didn't know how that was going to play out. And first of all, I have a big problem. He even says it. Oh my God, I brought my kid into the belly of the beast. Yeah, like Lonnie, don't roll up with your kid and your kid's girlfriend to Michael Myers' (laughs) house. Like you should know better, dude. But anyways, this is the big showdown, Lonnie, or so everybody thinks. And they go out of their way to show Lonnie's backstory, a scene of 78 to give him this extra layer, uh, give him, I guess, more context for people that don't know. And then you're going to kill him off screen. It just seemed like an odd decision. And I get what you were saying earlier, though, Craig, if it's worth it, then who cares? Like if he pops up in a cool place, the, the big John and little John, Michael Myers placed nicely. Uh, he stuffed he stuffed Lonnie up in the fucking attic. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, he did. 
Um, we talked with some friends about the the film, and that's just Michael playing. Yeah, but no, I'm saying, but as Lonnie, why? I know why is he the one that gets off screen killed? So, so we we're from the kids' perspective now, and that's where it's going to be scary. You could have gotten that scare from Michael McDonald, Big John, Little John, without seeing Lonnie. I don't know. It, it was just odd. I was like, why give him this extra backstory and then just kill him off screen? <laughs> right. It was just odd. I don't know. Uh, again, though, I I really enjoyed this movie. The stuff. <laughs> Did you? The stuff that I'm. Sa- oh no! I will watch <laughs> it again. Like we have it playing. Oh, not anymore. We just have it playing again, and I'll watch it next Halloween. And guess what? I'm going to go see. Is it going up on rewatches for you? Uh, probably not. It'll probably go down if I keep rewatching it. But <laughs> no, I think that there's a lot to this movie. I think that there's also just too much going on that was unnecessary. And again, I would never want to take the wind out of anybody's sails. Right. So if you enjoy it, like I, I actually, I envy you because <laughs> I wish I enjoyed it as much as other people, but that's not to say that I didn't enjoy it. I thought, again, there were so many great parts in it. Um, I'm trying to think the, 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 the cop guy, who was in the first one who had a non-role, same non-role in this one. <laughs> oh, you're talking about the dude with the took his hat off? With his that's like, that sad look on his face when he was sitting on the stairs was me at the end of this movie. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um I, Craig, uh, any final thoughts? Anything that we haven't touched on yet? Um, anything that you want to add to Halloween kills? Well, just a, just a couple of things. Um, yeah. I did enjoy seeing Brackett back. I, I will admit that it was a little cringeworthy, but you know, an old guy might say something cringeworthy like that, although that wasn't tied to him That's in the point. original. Um, I'll award you that. But seeing him was amazing. And I thought it was nice that since he disappears from part two, yeah. uh, the way he does, that uh, he yells, you know, he gets that one moment with Loomis. And I like how everybody blames Loomis for Michael Myers getting out as though he's like signed paperwork to let him out. And he did <laughs> You know, it had nothing to do with him. And yet everybody says, you let him out. No, I didn't. <laughs> but anyway, but Brackett um, showing back up in this, we got to see his anger over Annie's death, which you <sighs> got to admit that was a nice moment. That was. Right. I totally agree, dude. Yep, yep. Because, you know, he did, he got to show this, the incredible grief when Hunter Von Leer tells him, you know, go on home, Lee, right. I'll handle it from here. Um, <laughs> but you didn't get to see the anger other than, damn you for letting him out. But that was, again, misplaced. That wasn't going to the right place. This one, he was mad at Michael Myers. And so that that did pay off for me as a fan to finally get to see that poor actor get to do it. And we got to the flashback bits in the whole nine yards. I kind of like that they refreshed everybody's memory with letting us see that little bit well and Um, also craig with that though too he taught he says a line in there that alludes to something similar he was like i wasn't there when they caught him so so you get all this backstory that again we know from the sequel but never technically happened so i like how they filled in filled in that gap as well because it's what would have naturally happened yeah yeah absolutely um Overall, I'm with you. I, I was perplexed at certain things. It took me a while to get involved in the film, but in the end, I did enjoy it. And I think it might be one of those films that if the third film pays off as well as I'm hoping it will, mm-hmm. that it will be something where if you watch the three of them back to back, it will be a marvelous experience. Yes. I'm hoping. 
<laughs> right. I just don't want to look at Judy Greer's Christmas sweater anymore. <laughs> well, well, I don't guess you're going to have to since she's dead. Is she though? Oh, it, but, okay, That's a whole right. question. I have a pretty out there theory. Is Craig. she dead? I have a pretty out there so. theory. Should I tell them the theory or no? No, that theory. Yes, do. No, do. Oh. I want to hear it. It's so okay, silly. Do you remember when Lori stabs herself with the um, morphine? How can I forget? Yes. Well, I think that she's been asleep this whole time and that the last half of this movie, which is atrocious, um, <laughs> is just her high on morphine. I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm seriously thinking about that. I'm wondering how it would affect me because I, I will tell you that one of the reasons I hate Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 yeah. is because that whole opening half hour doesn't happen. And it's so good. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, yeah, uh, as as Rob Zombie Halloween movies go, it's a pretty good sequence, and it's got some great people in it. But then it just negates itself by nope, that's not what happened at all. Right. Um, right. So I don't know if I would be upset if they suddenly did that. But what an interesting idea to just right. basically take off from about the last half hour of the last what we saw, and you just go nope, fever dream. Right. Here's what actually happened, and then the whole last movie is picks up from there and just takes off. I don't well, know. Maybe that, that's my, theory. Really my way to do it, you know. Yeah, my my theory with that though is it's the first time in the movie that um we see a character kind of seeing like a hallucination in Judy Greer seeing young Michael in the window, and True. just how the spacing. So they find Michael um a little down the street, or is it like a block over? Is where they beat yep. his ass down, right? So all these cops are over here. This is happening over here. Then all the cops are just gone. And and it's a strange sequence. And obviously, like, yeah, I believe that it happened. But there are certain things that are very odd about that ending, which could allude to other things. Here's what I think that is. I think that is a callback to all the kind of non-endings that the sequels always have and never really continue. Like with the granddaughter and the knife at the end of the first one, that kind of alludes to like a Jamie, Jamie Lloyd thing, right? And and yeah. with, with this as well, same thing. Is this a dream? It's just, it, it feels very horror movie-ish and I wonder if that's intentional. Uh, he probably just murdered her, but I like to think otherwise sometimes. Well, if Hawkins could survive what he survived i mean right. if this film is setting up that you can survive that kind of a wound right. um then yes she could still be alive it's certainly possible yeah um, people in haddonfield world and halloween world are a little hardier than we are which may be why michael kills them so very much yeah right <laughs> murders he's like fuck this townie <laughs> no but he, yeah. he 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 goes past the cops up to his room which would make sense but it doesn't really make that much sense well, I, and then does he get out of there because if that's all he cares about supposedly does he leave after that are we gonna find all this out in the next one because well, i'm uh, just mad at how he actually killed her like you don't even really like it, it's being shown, but it's not at the same time. Like there's so many takeaways. And, it like, was a callback to the original. Hated it. Yeah. Even though. Yeah. Because I just want to see Christmas sweater wearing bitch die completely. Wow. Let's let her, uh, let's praise James Jude Courtney's portrayal of the shape. I think he did a Ooh. very nice job. He has yes. in both films. Um, he moves with a speed that we've not seen in Michael Myers. And I, I, when he comes after that cop in the 78 flashback, that's not even him, but. 
but the Michael Myers is moving so fast and we normally see him slowly approaching people. Right. And when he starts across that room and stuff, but he brings a ferocity to it and he, and he's playing it. I've heard him talk uh, at convention and things. He's, he's not a stunt man who's just there to fill a mask and walk around. He's, he's playing a role and I, and I appreciate his performance. Uh, I would like to know where, um, where our original guy is at in this one. I know exactly where he's at in the 2018 movie, but I, I have no idea where he is. He's in there somewhere. Yeah. And uh, great picture of the two of them, by the way, having a, uh, a beer at the Carolina ale house just up the road from me Oh, uh, nice! back then. So that's awesome. Yeah. Like I want to move there now. I know. Yeah. Can we, can we, can we rent out your basement or something, Craig? <laughs> I wish I had one. I would put you in in a heartbeat. <laughs> well, should we get into ratings? I think we should. I think it's about that time. Well, yep. let's let our guests go first. All right. I'm going to give it two and a half stars based on my first viewing. Uh, in my book, out of five, that's a completely watchable, decent enough movie. Uh, three is where three and up is. I recommend it. Yeah, I, I think I would only recommend this to fans. It's certainly mm-hmm. not a jumping on point. Don't start watching Halloween movies. <laughs> start here. here. <laughs> <laughs> then go to three and then bounce around to six. No. Um. <laughs> um, I'm not far off from you, Craig. Uh, I give it a two out of five. I just, okay. I, I, like, some of the shots, like I said, there's a lot of issues with editing for me. Like, I that Lindsay that Lindsay scene is amazing, yeah. right? They needed more of that. Yeah, simple. Which feels more like, that's the only scene that really feels like Michael Myers to me. You said she better not fucking fall, and she didn't. No. (laughs) (laughs) But then you get her back, and she's all wet, like, I don't know. But let's talk about that, because she didn't die. She didn't die there. No, she, I told she you it was going to be Tommy Doyle. I told you it was going to be Tommy Doyle. But it was but refreshing. What was my reasoning because they did not get the original actor or yeah. Paul Rudd. Right. Um. So it would make more sense. They they're showing her in the trailer like they're setting up like she's the one that's going to die. It's like no, they're they're throwing us off there. Absolutely. It was just refreshing to see her not have to die. Like oh, the killer's walking away, and then she goes to get up, and he's right behind the tree, and she's dead. Bye. Right. Like Which I'm is so, what happens to everybody else. I'm so glad that didn't happen. Yeah. But yeah, my rating yep. is a two out of five. I think it could have been a lot better. There's just editing. They had a year to fix the shit that was like, did they just not go back and rewatch it? Like, here, we're going to let it sit on the bookshelf for a year. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, I think. Well, in their, in their defense, they are, those guys are making the righteous gemstones down in Charleston and they've made at least one other thing. They haven't even started a Halloween Ends yet, um, which right. I, we don't know if it's coming back to Wilmington or if it's going to Charleston or if it's going to Atlanta, which is now I'm now hearing rumors of. So, wow. Wow. well, what do you? So they've been busy. They 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 may have not even thought that it needed. They, you know, put their bow on it and then it sat for a year. And I agree with you. Why not go back and take another look at it and see if you could tighten it up a bit or you know, oh wait, now that it's been six months. I see this is a problem. Let's fix it kind of thing. Right. They obviously didn't do that. They just kept moving forward with their new projects and not going back to that right. at all. Well, I know like reshoots and like that obviously cost money, but still. Yeah. What do you rate it, Dan? All right. Uh, I'm right with you guys. I am at a 2.5 for this movie. Again, I enjoyed a lot of it. I enjoy all these movies despite all their flaws. Some obviously have more than others, but 
it, it's a staple of Halloween. It's it's who we are as people, like uh, us Halloween fans. Like it's a it's a certain breed of people, and I love just talking with people that can acknowledge certain things and not dismiss them and and talk about things in a way where hey i love this i dislike this ah, i don't agree with that but it's all in good fun and it's not losing the spirit of what these movies are all about which is to enhance your halloween experience to make things as, as fun as possible to get you in the mood and this movie got me in the halloween spirit i'm not gonna lie it felt fresh it felt new at some points it felt um it felt exciting so um for that i will give it a 2.5 as well right on yeah well craig we want to thank you so much for joining us this has been a blast i've had an absolute blast myself uh you guys are wonderful to talk to and uh what a good um, what a good film to to initiate our uh, our first chat about I think the first yeah. of many uh, and we we have to obviously talk about this more but we have something in the works with Craig hopefully in the very near future that would would put me over the moon because obviously he's he's even greater than I thought baby no uh, Craig uh, shit you don't have your own podcast <laughs> yeah how do you not have a podcast Craig like the stories and just the like just every, everything about you is awesome uh you should have your own podcast definitely on top of the one that you're hopefully gonna do with us <laughs> well I appreciate that <laughs> I've had a lot of people push me towards that I just I honestly, I'm self-deprecating enough that I think who's going to want to listen to me for a half hour a week or me. an hour? I would. So. <laughs> and and everybody else in the Dawson's Creek Obsessed group. <laughs> no, you're amazing, man. Thank you so much for taking the time out. Yes. And hopefully, like I said, this is the first of, of many podcasts that we will uh, embark on together. So from everyone here at Cut to the Chase. I'm Lucy Lou. And I'm Dan Chase. And this has been Craig Edwards. Evil dies tonight. Well, not in this Evil case. dies tonight. <laughs>